As we stand at the precipice, feeling the heat on our faces from the dumpster fire our country has devolved into, sometimes an escape is necessary. And sure, meth will do that for you, but maybe, just maybe, dating horror stories from someone else's romantic fuckery might be better for your health. Surely your dentist would agree. So, laugh, cry, blush from secondhand embarrassment, and revel in a playground of mishaps that just might help you forget. Welcome to The Cultural Experience, Season 1, The Alphabet Chronicles. V is for Vexed. I did it again. In the days of the apps, I met another someone in person. And it happened when I least expected it. Just like everyone said it would. It gave me hope that life had aligned and maybe I'd finally met the one. I was traveling home to the United States of Texas for my bi-yearly trip, running late as usual. Flying through the airport, trying to get to my gate before it closed. I was the last person to board the plane, getting there just as they were prepping to call my name. They took my roller bag, checking it to my final destination as I skipped to my seat. While I hate the stress of being late, it was nice to bypass the crazy of other passengers. I didn't have to deal with anyone acting confused about how lines worked or feigning ignorance that group three comes after two. Cutting it that close actually removed a lot of the hassle. On top of getting to waltz right to my seat, I ended up in an exit row. This was turning out to be a fantastic trip. I sat down and quickly prepped for the flight, the flurry of arranging my things distracted from taking in my surroundings. I was too focused on getting settled. By the time I stored my carry-on and brought out my book, we'd be pulled away from the gate and the safety presentation had begun. Before finishing the welcome, I was buried in my reading, ignoring what the flight attendants were saying. I've always figured... If we're going down, we're fucked, so ultimately the safety presentations serve as little more than a distraction. I readjusted in my seat, trying desperately to get comfortable, when the man next to me caught my eye. At first, I was distracted by the fact that he was looking up, you know, at the safety presentation, giving his rapt attention to the flight attendant standing at the end of the aisle. I was confused. Was the flight attendant hot? I looked, and, well... Let's just say that was not the reason for his attentive stare. He must have actually been paying attention. Interesting. The more I observed his demeanor, the more he seemed like one of those brown-nosing middle schoolers who got straight A's. But in a hot way. He had a secret. That's what made him sexy. On first analysis, I couldn't tell if he was gay. Was that his secret? The longer I observed him, the more I was convinced he was straight. I'm not exactly sure why, but I felt pretty confident the vibe he was giving off was a straight one. After writing him off as a potential date or mid-flight fling, I went back to my book, excited to make some headway before I would inevitably fall asleep. I tried to focus my attention on the titillating plot or dynamic characters, but there was something about this guy that kept drawing my attention. I'm not quite sure what it was, but... I tried to resist. I'm not one of those life ruiners who has any interest in striking up conversations with my seatmate, especially when there was no promise he was gay. I'd prefer seatmates share a a cordial smile at the beginning and end of the flight. And that's it. Like, it. 
to the point that I hope neither of us has to go to the bathroom so as to avoid the ever-so-awkward, fumbly interaction of having to ask the person to stand and let you out, you know, leaving one of you in limbo for whatever duration of time one must spend in or waiting in line for the restroom. Heaven forbid having to wake them, or, or even worse, being woken up. Every time it happens, I have to stop myself from pointing out the importance of the nap I'm taking. Ma'am? Have you seen the bags under these eyes? I I need as much sleep as I can get, whenever I can get it. Might I suggest a catheter to accompany your future travel plans? I know these expectations aren't fair, but it doesn't stop me from wishing they were a reality. In spite of my strong stance, there was something about this one that drove me to abandon my convictions and give in to my mounting need to converse with him. But about what? An opportunity hadn't presented itself, and I still wasn't sure if he was gay. I decided it was time for a little detective work. I started with his outfit. It was a pair of jeans and a button-down. In the end, you know, it could go either way. His attentiveness to the safety demonstration, combined with the conservative look, could mean he was one of those uptight gays. Or it could support the straight theory. I kept digging. His shoes didn't lean one way or the other, and neither did his hair. Then he started to move. More opportunity for sleuthing. I strained my glance in his direction, trying not to draw attention, all the while wondering if it was healthy for my eye to be stretched so severely at such a strong angle. He grabbed his bag, which was perfect. There was a chance he would pull out something that would give him away. Poppers? Lube? A ten-inch black dildo? I continued wrenching my eyes while keeping my face forward, hoping to catch a glimpse. And then he did it. He pulled out a fashion magazine. A big one. Oh, God, this was perfect. He may still have been straight, but it was enough of a clue that it was worth testing the waters. So I went for it. Oh, have you seen the Grace Coddington spread yet? It was the gayest thing I could think to ask. Grace had recently been featured heavily in fashion media, and I figured this reference was the easiest way of making it unequivocally clear that I was a big ol' Holmes. As if my, you know, flouncy black sweater hadn't given it away. I haven't, but, you know, that's the reason I picked it up. It's supposed to be incredible. Gay. Or worked in fashion? You know, that's what I've heard. Do you work in fashion? No, no, I I just appreciate the, you know, the artistry of it all, he replied coyly. (laughs) Definitely gay. Immediately, I looked to see if he was wearing a ring. None. Now, this didn't mean he was single, but at least there was a high probability he wasn't married. I continued breaking my own rules and attempted to engage him further. So, where are you headed? I'm actually going home for my grandfather's funeral. Fuck. Wow, I'm really sorry to hear that. Thanks, it's okay, he lived a long life. Is, uh, is your significant other meeting you down there? I know. I know, I have no game. I just figured I'd cut right to the chase. (laughs) No significant other. Ugh, dating is the worst. I know, right? I can't seem to find a guy who isn't crazy. I know, neither can I. The last guy I dated was a total mess. I've been, I don't know, gun-shy ever since. I feel like New York brings out a special kind of damaged. Oh? You live in New York? Yeah, I'm in the West Village, you? Soho. (laughs) Winning. We engaged in intermittent conversation for the remainder of the flight. You know, nothing groundbreaking, but a healthy dose of flirting. I had a short layover at his final destination, and after deboarding the plane, we happened to be walking in the same direction. 
On our way to my connecting gate, I left him at the exit and asked for his number as we said our goodbyes. He winked and took my phone, adding his contact info. We hugged and made a promise to meet once back in the city. I went on my way, intrigued for what might happen. I mean, I just met someone the way everyone said I would, when I least expected it. It would be such a great story to tell our grandchildren. Your grandfather and I met on a flight, fell in love and lived happily ever after. God, fuck, I'm rational. Eventually, our communication slowed way down until it ultimately fizzled into radio silence. Nothingness. I don't know what happened. It really could have been anything. Gay men are notoriously the worst for identifying non-flaws as non-negotiables. You know, I had a friend who refused to go out with a guy because of the way he ate chicken. Chicken. Another friend couldn't get past the way his date's feet looked in flip-flops. That's not a thing. For all I know, the way I uh, tied my shoes could have nauseated him. Why do we do this? Is it it a form of self-sabotage? Are we trying to get ahead of disappointment by creating it? Are we trying to find flaws in the other person before ours are identified? It is so far out of the realm of my understanding. As humans, we are innately flawed. Shouldn't we be embracing and celebrating these quirks that define the uniqueness of our being? Whatever. A few weeks went by, and after, you know, not hearing as much as a sup, I wrote him off. I set his memory loose into the filing cabinet abyss of men I'd never see again, letting him freely wander the fresh hell his life must be with my presence no longer influencing it. Clearly, I had another guy waiting in the wings, and his number was officially up. He was hot. We met on some dating app where we'd exchange numbers, and one night on his way back from D.C., things started heating up. I was horny, and he was insatiable. He started sending me pictures in his suit with his bulging heart on ripping at the seams of his pants. I, I was inconsolable. It was such a stark contrast from the nerdy conservative... I so rarely want to bottom, but this man was so domineering, such an asshole that I I couldn't resist. Something about him inspired the need within me to be a dirty, submissive bottom. I don't know. It was visceral. We kept sending suggestive pictures back and forth until I had to see the real thing, unsheathed. Just as I was getting ready to ask, he sent me a picture of it. I fell off the couch. This man possessed the largest penis I had ever seen. It was so big it made my whole hurt in anticipation. And yet, like many men before me, I knew I had to climb Everest. I needed to experience the view from the top, or bottom in this case, take in the lack of oxygen the experience would impose on me, and revel in the sheer pride of mounting the beast. It was going to happen. I had already begun to make plans for my ascent, but when he asked me to come over that night, I panicked. This was going to take a lot of preparation. This is not a situation where you douche once and pray for the best. This was a fasting dick. Like, I may not be able to eat for a week before I take this dick. I I turned him down apologizing, but assuring him this really was for the best. For both of us. He seemed slightly annoyed, and for fear of losing him, I set up a date for later that week, insisting he wouldn't be disappointed. He accepted the terms, and I exploded all over myself in wild anticipation. The day of our date 
came, and I promptly stopped eating at 1 p.m. We weren't supposed to get together until 8, but when it, you know, came to this dick, I couldn't be too safe. I wasn't going to risk a poop dick situation with this guy. It seemed very clear that he was one of those tops who didn't suffer fools. If I poop dicked him that night, there was no way I was going to get a second go of it. I was going to have to do this right the first time. I was tempted by, you know, sustenance at regular intervals. Someone cruelly decided to have their birthday on this day of all days. They were serving fucking cake in the conference room all afternoon. But I was strong in my abstention. The sugary goodness flirted with my nostrils as the hour crawled to 6 p.m., but as soon as the clock struck, I ran from the confines of my office, free from the temptation of snacks. I celebrated my successful fasting quest by making it home in plenty of time to douche until the water was Waterford clear. It took slightly longer than I thought it would, even with the lack of food I'd ingested. I suddenly had a newfound respect for the bottoms I'd been fucking— my dick didn't require fasting, but douching was for sure necessary, and... Oh, I don't know, fuck, this was a lot of work. Eventually, once I was squeaky clean, I, I hopped into the shower and finished getting myself ready for our date. I was excited, titulated even. It had been so long since I'd bottomed, and I was ready. I made my way downtown to a quiet, dark bar in the West Village. Ugh, even the bar was sexy. This guy just kept getting better and better. It took a minute for my eyes to adjust, but I saw him leaning against the far wall. He was everything his picture promised him to be. He was tall, sturdy, attractive, but in no way pretty. It was everything I looked for in a top. He slowly turned around, looked me up and down, twice, his gaze finally resting in an eye lock. My breath ran from my body. I could tell in that moment the fasting was worth it. He knew the effect he had on me. His confidence flooded the bar as he pawed his way across the room, offering a half-hug before escorting me to the secluded couches in the back. He stayed standing while I sat, my face hovering at crotch level. God, I melted. He asked what I wanted to drink before returning to the bar, leaving me to drown in his raw masculinity. God, it was so hot. It made me start to realize why I'm still single. I'm never this assertive with men. I care too much about their feelings and making sure they feel respected and heard. I'm careful never to tread too forcefully on their manhood for fear they'd be put off. This is a mistake. Maybe gay men, just like our basic white bitch counterparts, also want that fratastic finance bro. The kind of man that looks at you like a piece of meat before treating you like a lady, before treating you like a piece of meat. God, it was putty in his hands and he'd barely done anything. It didn't even matter that the conversation after he returned was... Uh, boring. I was going to sleep with him. There was something chemical there that had to be acted upon. I needed to experience his consumption of my being. I was getting lost in these thoughts and didn't even notice that he'd snuck his hand down my pants, firmly resting his fingers between my cheeks, you know, teasing parts of me that hadn't been explored in you know, seemingly forever. Once I felt it, the pleasure radiated through my entire body. We needed to exit this bar, or else I was going to leap onto him right then and there, causing a giant scene. My glassy-eyed ecstasy-laden glaze must have given me away. He took both our glasses and set them on the table, forcefully grabbed the back of my neck, and tenderly kissed my mouth so that I could feel it from the goosebumps on my cheek down to my calves. He pulled away as my body released the shudder it had been desperately trying to contain. 
Let's get out of here. I could only look up and nod. My voice had caught in my throat. I gathered myself and met him at the bar, which had become quite crowded. He needed to close his tab, so I waited closer to the door where the real estate was less desirable. I tried to busy myself with something on my phone when this man caught my attention. Though he was facing away from me, something about him looked vaguely familiar. Why, though? I racked my brain but couldn't place him. Once he'd ordered his drinks, he turned away from the bar to send a text, offering me a prime view of his profile. It suddenly became painfully clear why he looked familiar. This was the guy from the plane. Huh. Fucker. Once I was positive this was him, I did my best to hide in my phone, avoiding eye contact. And with the bar being as crowded as it was, it should have worked. But when has my dating life ever worked out the way it should have? Before his drink even arrived, he looked up from his phone and spotted me. Immediately. It was so automatic, as if he knew I was standing there, that I couldn't help but assume the universe had conspired against me. He looked shocked, in a bad way, which I took some pride in. I mean... He was the one who dropped the ball and acted weird for no reason. He should feel like a dick. I half-smiled to let him know that, yes, I had seen him too. But before we were able to exchange even a hello, my date came and wrapped his arm around my waist, indicating that he'd paid the bill and it was time to go. There was something pointedly possessive about the way he did it, sending a very clear message that I was his for the night. I let the guy from the plane take it all in for a second, then told him it was nice to see him as my date ushered me out the door, his hand firmly planted on the small of my back. (laughs) It was sweet vindication running into him while I was on a date, especially with someone who was so hot. This turned me on even more, and I could barely contain myself as we walked to my date's place just a few blocks away. I barely made it inside before he had my pants off and was aggressively initiating what would be one of the most exhausting sexual nights of my life. I would soon find out that this man is absolutely insatiable. Almost offensively so. He fucked me no fewer than five times that night. Five. It got to the point I couldn't keep track. You know, as soon as I'd let my guard down and attempt to recover, he'd start back up again. Ah, I suppose this tactic of constant fucking was a good one. You know, his dick was so large I couldn't imagine having enough time for everything to tighten up between sessions. I only had the constitution to experience the initial stretch upon entry once. Now, I assume even if he had given me large breaks, it wouldn't have gone back to normal right away. But the time off could have, you know, I don't know, lulled my body into a slow return to normalcy. The constant attention was sure to guarantee things stayed, uh, pliable. But I guess it didn't really matter what my whole would or wouldn't have done with the breast. I didn't get an opportunity to find out. Because of the constant attention, I maybe got four 30-minute naps. Maybe. After a particularly vigorous session of ride around sunrise, I just about convinced myself this had to be the last one and settled in for what I hoped would be an extended period of sleep. The alarm went off after what felt like five minutes. I resisted consciousness, finally opening my eyes as a final concession to the day, only to see him crawling on top of me one last time. This man was ridiculous, and uh, I loved it. He kissed me after finishing and went to get in the shower. I somehow found the strength to pull myself out of bed and stumble bow-legged into the living room. He'd left the door to the bathroom open, and I was able to watch him soaping his sexy body as I passed. God, it was so hot. But I couldn't watch for long. 
The last thing I needed was to turn him on and inspire yet another sexual encounter, so I scurried away, busying myself with collecting my clothes. After finally sequestering most of them, I started dressing, careful not to let my insides fall out the back, because, well, frankly, I, I think they were half a decision away. I was putting my pants on when my legs gave out and I fell, <laughs> plopping down into the couch. I sat there contemplating how I was going to walk for the rest of the day when I heard the shower shut off. Fuck, I thought. Hurry, before he needs sex again. I started to put on my shoes, then... Then I heard the strangest sound. It was a spraying. The door was still open, so the sound was very resonant. Huh, I thought. Does he use spray deodorant? That'd be odd. Maybe it was hairspray. I wouldn't have to wait long to find out. Um, almost immediately after the spraying stopped, I got my answer. The next few minutes, I experienced a series of moments so, um, unique, so intimate, that I was forever changed. It was an experience that would alter the course of our relationship forever. As in, I knew one second into that, I would never see him again. The spraying noise was not deodorant. It was a poo-pourri. I had remembered seeing it, you know, sitting above the toilet during one of my stumbly trips to the bathroom in the middle of the night. How did I know it was poopery he sprayed? Well, because immediately following the gentle spritz of the aerosol, the next sounds to come howling from the bathroom were those of poop hitting toilet water. This man was taking a shit with the door opened. I have never experienced this. Not ever. Not with a significant other, not with a family member, not even when an ex and I had food poisoning on vacation and were violently vomiting and shitting our brains out did I experience this. I needed to leave. I needed to leave as quickly as possible, but I was going to have to wait. Forced to listen to him finish... The bathroom was between the living room and the front door, and in order to escape this hell, I was going to have to walk past him mid-act, and that was something I was not going to bring upon myself. I finished tying my shoes and attempted to busy myself while he reveled in the cacophony of his shitty composition. At one point, I started using the little energy I had left to hum a bit. It was a desperate attempt to orally distract from the horror— the song I'd chosen was quickly approaching its final cadence, and I was starting to get nervous when I finally heard flushing. It was over. I was relieved and shot up, gathering my bearings in an effort to ready myself for an overdue exit. And then he ripped another giant fart. I fell back down onto the couch. I didn't have anything left. When I heard the toilet flush a second time, I decided, you know, I would face him sitting on that toilet if I had to. I was getting out of there. As I stood, I heard the water from the sink. I guess he was finally finished forcing this unnecessarily intimate moment on the two of us. I walked down the hall and met him as he exited the bathroom. He half-smiled and walked me to the door. I had a great time. What train are you taking? Do you know where it is? I was in shock and awe that he didn't acknowledge the open-door shit situation. I, uh... I honestly... For one of the few times in my life, didn't have anything else to say. I hugged him and, you know, mumbled something about knowing where my train was and tried my best to get out the door as quickly as possible. 
As I walked down the stairs, I was fixated on his lack of awareness, but, you know, also on the complete lack of smell. Apparently this poopery stuff works. I guess I need to look into it. Not for open-door shits, clearly, but for those times in life when I offend even myself. Though I was excited to be armed with a stew-found tool at my disposal, I couldn't shake the other bafflement from this most recent experience. It didn't help that since I'd been fucked like a Russian hooker the night before, my mind and body were operating at the glacial pace of a decrepit 80-year-old. My legs were still hobbling along, giving out at every crack in the sidewalk, and my brain was just stumbling along beside it. I walked home. I needed to clear my head. A lot had got on that night and morning, you know, and my whole... It was still on its journey back to normalcy. Everything just felt off. My mind, my body, my poor spirit. This one had really knocked me on my ass, and frankly, my ass had taken enough of a beating. By the time I got home, I just about decided to officially take a break from it all. I was going to delete my apps and get my life on track. Well, I was going to try anyways. Thank you for listening to The Cultural Experience, Season 1, The Alphabet Chronicles. The podcast that's 100% true, except when it's not. Essays are written by Cole Grissom, inspired by real events. But rest assured, if a character resembles you in any way, I promise you're wrong. If you like what you heard today, subscribe, share, tell your friends, your frenemies, your bad dates, your good dates... The guy in the alley you're planning on giving a handy to later tonight. Tell them all. Until next time, friends.